I like it when God wants to meet with us. I like it when God wants to talk with me. I want to thank my brother for coming tonight. I don't know that uh, I can... I'm sitting there thinking about... uh, He he comes about every time I preach, and I appreciate it. We don't always... We don't agree on a lot of things, but he is my brother, and I love him. I appreciate him being here tonight. I'm going to make this proclamation to you that when I walk out of the pulpit tonight, I will have done, as humanly best as I know how, I will have obeyed God. My question to you, will you leave the building the same way? Will you leave tonight with peace in your heart that you've honored God and obeyed what He would have you to do? I will walk down as best I can, have been obedient to a holy God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Your name is excellent. God, may we not play with a holy thing tonight. God, I'm a needy man standing before needy people. My heart breaks because I'm the vessel tonight that you may choose to help them through. God, I pray that you would guide me. God, there's people here tonight that need help. God, it's not words that I can say, but they need a touch from you. God, may I be that vessel. God, that you would bring glory and honor. God, that you would be pleased with when it's all said and done. God, may we not hinder or grieve the Holy Spirit of God tonight. God, would you meet with us in a very real and mighty way. Amen. Mark chapter number 6. If you have your Bibles, please. I used to um, be real consumed when it was time to preach about um, what I would wear. I have a pair of preaching shoes, and I have a certain Bible I like to preach from. But the Lord really began to deal with me, I guess yesterday, knowing that I would be preaching tonight, that it's not about all that. I'm really genuinely interested in you getting the help that you need tonight. Mark chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and stand with me, please. Verse number 32. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about, and into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. 
And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they do, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. Let's pray one more time. Dear Lord, I pray you would meet with us and give glory and honor. Help me tonight to be that vessel that would bring glory to your name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach on this idea tonight, in the desert with Jesus. In the desert with Jesus. And of course, we all have a picture of, of a desert. When I say desert, you're sitting in front of, in your recliner in low gear, and you've got animal planted on, and you're watching one of these crazy shows, and you see the, it's coming on, the introductory, and look, and they've got the, the desert land, vast, it's dry, it's dusty, it's cracked, it's so dry and cracked, you actually see in the cracks where the ground's curling up, it's that dry. And you're watching and you see there's a cactus off in the distance with a, a, a pile of rocks and, and there's a little spider on the cactus and a, and a desert lizard on the rocks. And then all of a sudden this crazy man pops his head out sideways and says, Today, we're going to go on an exciting adventure. And he, he says, We're going to go hunt down this poisonous desert snake and show you just how dangerous they are. And he, you, we go with him and he finds a hole this big and crawls in it. And he crawls down in it and he said, we're going after this deadly snake. And the whole while he's telling us this, somehow the camera flips on the other side. And it's dark and the light comes on and you look and the snake is across his legs. And he's laying there. And then he tells you, this snake, if it, if it bites, it'll kill you in .3 seconds. Like, what are you doing in the hole with the snake? We all have our picture of our desert. Some of you misunderstood me and you, you're seeing a three-layer chocolate cake with fudge icing on top of it and ice cream on the side. But the, the definition of a desert is this. A dry, barren area of land, especially one covered with sand, that is characteristically desolate, waterless, and without vegetation. As an adjective, as we see here in this scripture, the Jesus talks about him and the disciples are going to a desert place. It's describing a place they're going to. It has the idea of uninhabited and desolate. A synonym would be um, uninhabited, empty, lonely, desolate, bleak. And of course, this is a common story. We know the feeding of the 5,000. But Jesus here, the disciples came to Jesus after they'd been working and was telling Jesus all about it. He said, well, Let's go to a desert place so we can rest. And you see that in verse um, 31, I believe it is. And, he, and the, so they could rest because people were coming and going. And so they, they were departing on a ship to go to this land. And people saw, I want you to notice the wording though, people saw them depart, Jesus and the disciples. But notice they went with, let's see, let me find it here. And many knew him. They saw the group. They saw them departing. But it was the him that they were interested in. And they wanted to see him. And so when they saw him departing, they ran after him. 
Notice the word, they ran. It wasn't they casually, well, I, honey, pack lunch, we're going to take off and go follow Jesus. No, it was a immediate. They saw Jesus departing and said, whoa, whoa, He's leaving. I want to be with Him. So they ran after Jesus. May I just stop and say for just a minute, if you've ever experienced Jesus Christ, you'll be running after Him. If you've ever been in a place that God has squeezed your heart, much like a place tonight, and God has stirred in your heart and life, you won't be anywhere else. You won't be satisfied in your city and in your village. You're going to want to be where Jesus is. You're going to be going after Jesus Christ. But I'm talking about if you really know Him. Not if you know the name Jesus. Not if you know about Jesus, but if you really know Him. You're going to be following Him. See, this is more than just a church thing. It's more than just a speech thing and saying the right things and knowing the terminology and knowing how to look like a Christian. It's a life-changing thing. Those people ran after Jesus Christ not because they went to church or they had the right words to say. Something had changed in their life. They knew Him. And may I say this, if we really know Jesus, we're really going to follow Jesus. Even if that leads us into a desert place. We'll follow Jesus. We'll go through life and we'll end up in what seems a desert situation. A dry and desolate. But because Jesus is there, we're okay. And let me just clarify. We know the intent was Jesus was taking the disciples to rest. But Jesus knew those people were following Him. We're talking about the greatest leader of all time and a leader knows who's following Him. So Jesus knew very well that they were coming. You have to wonder, did he, did he plan it? Sure, let's just, he's God. Can't you just think about Jesus saying, well, he's there and he's ready to depart and he says, well, I could feed these people right here, take care of them here before I go, or I'll lead them and I'll take them to the impossible. I'll lead them to a place to where it's impossible and it seems impossible and I'll put on display my power. So we all have to be willing to endure some deserts at times. Perhaps it's a desert of finances, marital struggles, a wayward child, or you fill in the blank. Your desert. It's that one thing in your life that you look at and say, man, that's barren, that looks hopeless, I don't see any life that could come out of this. That is your desert. So we try our best to follow Jesus and we come to these hopeless times. What are the pur- what's the purpose of the hopeless time? Why do we have to go through the desert, Jesus? Why can't we go through the nice pastures and, and go through life easy? What are the, what's the purpose? Well, He's trying to teach us something. And really, when you think about it, the desert's not all that bad when we look here in this passage and we understand some things about the desert. Let's first of all, let me explain to you that the desert is a place of challenges. The desert is a place of challenges. Look there in chapter 6 again in verse number 34. And Jesus, when He came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And He began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, His disciples came unto Him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. 
Send them away that they may go into the country, round about into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. So when we're in the desert, we may struggle knowing which way to go. See, Jesus came out and he, was, he had compassion because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. When we're in the desert, it may seem hopeless. We may not know which way to go. We may struggle in knowing what to do. You notice Jesus began to teach them many things. We may struggle in knowing how our, meet, how our need will be met. Obviously, a need was there for food because the disciples came to Jesus and said, send them away so they can go and eat. The desert is a place of challenges. We're not going to go through life and not face challenges. The Christian life. The faith life. We're not going to do more for the glory of God and not be attacked. I told the married couples this morning in Sunday school, I said, marriage is an institution of God. And so the devil is going to do everything he can to attack that institution. The church is an institution of God. The devil is going to do everything he can to attack it. And we have to prepare ourselves, understanding that the desert is a challenging place. But not only is it a challenging place, the desert is a place of compassion. It is a place of compassion. Look at verse 34, the words, move with compassion. Then in verse 37, He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. See, the disciples came, they wanted to send them back home. Say, okay, y'all go home, get something to eat, we're going to eat, we're going to rest, it's going to be great. Y'all just take off. And Jesus said, no, you feed them. Compassion. Not only do we see the words he had compassion, we see it in action. I don't necessarily feel that Jesus was coming apart to rest himself. I believe he was coming apart to display his magnitude in the lives of these people. Can you imagine for just a few minutes? You're that person, you're the multitude. You see Jesus departing in a ship, and you know that you have a need in your life. That's bigger than anything that you can comprehend or imagine. Can you imagine when you finally find Jesus in the desert? He looks into into your eyes with compassion. And when you look back into the eyes of Jesus Christ, you you feel that His heart hurts for your need. That Jesus Christ is hurting for you. Compassion. And that He wants to meet your need. Can you imagine the disciples standing in the background? They're tired, obviously, or Jesus wouldn't be taking them to rest. And they're mumbling. They're saying, man, why, why did they come? We were trying to get away from them. And they're in the background and they're complaining. And, they're... and, God, and Jesus says, drops everything and says, I'll help you. I'll help you. You can't help yourself. I'll help you. Compassion. See, the desert is a place of compassion. We go through the desert so we can see the compassion of Jesus Christ. See, the fact is, we all know the love of God on a daily basis. You know God loves you. You feel it. But when you're in that, the greatest feeling of His love is when you're the lowest. You feel He loves you the most when you're at your absolute lowest and He comes by and He squeezes your heart and reminds you that He has the compassion that you need. He can meet your every need. He cares for you. That's why we go through the desert. See, without the desert, we don't get the full benefit of the compassion of Jesus Christ. Yes, we face the challenges, but with the challenges, 
brings a compassion. May I say third of all, the, the desert is a place of company. Look at verse number 39. And He commanded them to make all sit down by companies. By companies. It's a place of company. The word company has this meaning. A number of individuals gathered together. We're a company tonight. But let me go a little bit further. Especially for a particular purpose. That's a company. When you think of any major corporation or company in today's time, they've got one motive, one one goal. They want to make money. They want to be bigger. That's their goal. We ought to have the same particular purpose. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ ought to be the purpose of our life. You see, if Jesus Christ is the purpose of our life, then church attendance won't be an issue. If Jesus Christ is the purpose of our life, then reading His Word won't be an issue. If Jesus Christ is the purpose of our life, you won't struggle to pray anymore. But the problem is, you've got the mechanics, but no Christ. You understand the how-to, but you don't understand the who. You know what helped in the multitude? What helped the one? The 4,999 others that were there with Him. You know when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before the fiery furnace and the king said, you'll bow or you'll be cast into the fiery furnace. You know what probably helped old Abednego? He's probably a little nervous. Shadrach and Meshach saying, we're standing. And Abednego, the truth be known, maybe in his heart he's a little nervous, saying, What's, that's hot. But when he saw Shadrach and Meshach, he said, not bowing. What helped the one in the multitude to follow Jesus was the 4,999 others. You know what will help us when we're going through a desert? Our church family. Our church family. We're a company gathered together for a particular purpose which ought to be Jesus Christ, and we ought to love one another. And the truth of the fact that we love one another should be greater than the lies the devil's telling you when you're not around. Company. We need our church family. It's amazing to me. You hear people going through a desert. They're struggling, whether it's marriage, whether it's finances, or a lost loved one, or whatever. And they say, will you please pray for this need? And then they don't come to church. You don't find them. You know they're going through a desert because you're helping them pray about it, but then when you look for them, they're not there. We begin to isolate ourselves rather than run to the one who can help us. Imagine if the multitude walked around and went, well, I know Jesus is over there, but I'm going to look under this rock first. I'm going to go dig in these cactus here and try to find out some water or some food. Instead of, the ultimate supply is just waiting to meet our need. We're praying for them and they drift from God. It's not God lacking. I assure you of that. God's not slack on His promises. He's not slack concerning His promises. He's got it all under control. The problem is you and I. Say all the right words. Well, I know God has a plan and He has a purpose. But the truth is our actions speak a whole lot differently. I want God's will to be done. It's a struggle. But I'm going to run to the ball game. I'm going to be here. 
rather than in the house of God where I can be helped. And we miss out on the company of the desert. So why do we do that? Maybe it's because of pride. Maybe it's your hellish, stinking pride that keeps you from missing the company that Jesus Christ has for you. The pride that says, I can handle this, Jesus. I'm okay. The pride that says, I'm not going to say sorry. Maybe it's the embarrassment of the fact that you left. You went astray. And you're sitting at home and you listen to the devil. Well, you can't go back there. You know they'll talk about you. Know the truth being known and you know the truth. We're standing here with our arms open waiting on you. Jesus is waiting on you. See, your desert doesn't have to be a terrible place. The desert's terrible when you're alone. But it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to be alone. Hebrews 10.25 Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more, the more as you see the last day approaching. You see the day approaching. Exhorting one another. You're missing out on the encouragement that God has built in to the company of Christ because you're not here. But the greatest one in the company. The greatest one in all this company. Yeah, the multitude was there and no doubt they encouraged one another, but the greatest one present was Jesus Christ. The greatest one is Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13.5 Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. See, the thing about human company, we're going to leave you sometime or another. You're going to look beside and say, where'd he go? You're going to look this way and say, man, where'd she go? She was right there. But you can always look this way and say, oh, he's still there. He's still there. He's got it all under control. He's okay. And yet we're so consumed with whatever going on down here, we're missing the one company that never moves. The desert is a place of company. It amazes me. We need God's help. We all need God's help. I need God's help. And yet we neglect the very tools that God has given us. His, his Bible. The Word of God. Did you have to blow the dust off this morning to get to church? We neglect Sunday school, a time to study God's Word together and increase our knowledge of the Word of God. We neglect. We neglect our prayer time, our walk with God, our church. We want God's help. We talk about it, but we neglect so great a help. We neglect a company in the desert. And then, to, to beat all, we say, I wonder why God's not helped me. Because you left a toolbox shut. Open it up. Pull out that that God has for you. Because He wants to help you. The issue is that we're wandering around in the desert looking under the rocks when Jesus is standing there waiting on us. Number four, may I say, not only do we have a place of challenges and a place of compassion and a place of... uh, I forgot my point, company. But we have a place, the desert is a place of comfort. Look at verse number 39 again. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. Now remember, we're in a desert somewhere. 
And all of a sudden, green grass has popped up out of nowhere. It's a place of comfort. Remember, we see the desert as a dry, barren land, and, and it's dusty. But somewhere in the middle. I'm not going to debate geography. I know maybe the, every bit of it was, was covered in grass. But all I know is that Jesus Christ made a command for them to sit on the grass. So there had to be another choice somewhere. Another terrain of some type was present. And I know I believe it's the Gospel of John. He references that there was much grass. And there would have to be much grass for 5,000 people to have a seat. So somewhere we had a different terrain. Maybe they had some brown grass and then they had the green grass. Maybe it was dirt. But we do know this. The green grass was there. Now green grass is a very positive thing. Your goal, if you work on your lawn and fertilize and lime and all that, I don't know why you would do that because you just have to mow more. But if, you, if your goal is green, your goal is not, well, I hope I can make this as brown as I can. No, your goal is green grass. You ride by a yard and it's all nicely manicured and the grass is a dark, luscious green. You don't go by and say, what an ugly yard. No, it's what a beautiful yard that is. And just the same, you don't go by a brown, dead yard and say, boy, I wish my yard was like that. You don't want that. You want the positive. You want the good and the green grass. That's what you want. Say, well, well, well grass can be, can be itchy and, and sticky and all that stuff. But when you're in a desert, when you're in a desert, probably kind of like your lazy boy when you're in a desert. When you ran to catch up to find Jesus, a patch of grass would probably be pretty comfy. See, Christ brings us through a desert so we can enjoy the comfort that only He can give. The comfort that only He can give that because the comforts of the world so engulf us, we miss out on them. And so He says, alright, let me remove the world and remind you of my comfort. See, these people left their villages and their cities. Imagine if they hadn't. If they hadn't left their homes and their villages, grass probably, they probably wouldn't say, hmm, I don't know about that. Sit down. How about just, I'll take mine to go. No. Was, they left. It's very comforting. It's great when we're in a trial. And Jesus Christ looks and says, yeah, it's a desert. I've got a purpose. And He looks and says, you're thirsty? Come here. You're hungry? Got it. I'll take care of it. You need that? Done. See, He says He'll supply all our needs. But sometimes, if we're going to experience the challenges, the compassion, the comfort, and the company of the desert, and of the Christian life, God's going to take us through the desert. So I, I understand now. I understand that life's going to be challenging. I know that Jesus has compassion. I know that I need my church family and I need the tools of God. And I know that God wants to comfort me. But what do I do while I'm in the desert? What do I do while I'm in the desert? Number one, look for Jesus. Look for Jesus. These people, the multitude, they go to the desert to look for the, the wild animal. They had a purpose. They saw Jesus leaving and they wanted to be with Jesus. Let me tell you, I'm not going to get it right every time. I noticed the word, it says they outwent them. So Jesus is on, on the ship going and they're, they're running 
to, on land to get there and, and, and somewhere along the lines they, they got ahead, outwind. So once in a while you may find yourself a little bit ahead of God. So what do I do? Stop! And look for Jesus. He's there somewhere. You just have to find Him. Look for Jesus. Well, if we had this mentality, Jesus, where'd you say you were going? I want to go. Count me in. Not saying, God, where? Desert? Uh, I'll just stay here and enjoy this for a little bit, Jesus. Because we're too hung up on the comforts of our world. To accept the comfort of Christ. We don't want God moving us out of our comfort zone. But yet we want Jesus, but we don't know where Jesus is going. Because it's not always convenient and nice and pleasant. We must get our eyes off the circumstances. You don't find. The first people to mention food are the disciples. The 5,000 people are not standing there and saying, Man, I'm about to starve, Jesus. When are you going to get done teaching? They're listening. They're looking to Jesus. I promise you, if you'll look for Jesus in the desert, if you're following Him, He's there somewhere. Just have to find Him. So what do I do when I'm in the desert? Look for Jesus. What else? Listen to Jesus. 634, verse 34. And He began to teach them many things. Jesus had a truth for them while they were in the desert. There was something there that those people needed. Began to teach them many things. Look at verse 39. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass, and they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. Jesus had a place for them in the desert. He had a place for them. He had something that he wanted for those people. If we're going to be fed, then we've got to obey God. What would it have been if they'd went? After Jesus and they stopped following them, they got sidetracked because of whatever would be pretty in a desert, you know? What would it have been? They probably wouldn't have gotten fed. They wouldn't have been in a place to get fed. They had to go to where Jesus was. May I say the house of God is a great place to get fed. It's a great place to get fed. You're walking around starving when right here is an endless supply, the Word of God. We've got to do it God's way. What if the people, the multitude had said, well, I'm staying here in the villages, he'll be back. What if he wasn't planning on coming back? His purpose was that they would follow him to the desert. We've got to do it his way. If we're going to be blessed, we must listen to God. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. When you come into a desert, folks, it's not the time to quit church. It's not the time to lay down God's Word. It's not the time to quit praying. When you come into a desert, it's not the time to start robbing God. Robbing your help. And then getting upset when your help doesn't come through. We must listen to God. It's no time to get our own agenda. Say, well, I tried, but it didn't work. No, you're still with Jesus. It's just not as pleasant as it may have been last week. It's a desert place. If anything, it's more important now that you obey God than it was when you weren't in the desert. 
Because every move in the deserts could give you life or take your life. You don't want to move without Jesus Christ. Say, what do I do? I'm in a desert. Look for Jesus. Listen to Jesus, but lean on Jesus. Lean on Jesus. Notice, the people here sat down. Jesus walks up and He's got five loaves, two fishes. You don't read in the passage where the multitude's sitting there and saying, okay, one, two, three, four, five, and then one, two. One, two, five thousand. We're in trouble. Not at all. They sat down and they just said, okay. He told them to sit. We're going to sit. You don't find them sitting there rationing out, okay, if we got a really, really sharp knife and we cut it here, maybe this way, then everybody will get a little piece. You don't find that. They just ate. They just sat down and they ate. It wasn't none of this having to worry about how they were going to be fed. They just got to enjoy God because they were where He was. Let's stop trying to figure God out and let's eat. Let's not be consumed with figuring out how God's going to do it. Let's know that He is going to do it because He's always done it before. No reason to doubt Him now. So what I do when I'm in a desert? Look for Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Lean on Jesus. But I love this. Live the blessing from Jesus. See, that's the thing. This thing of a desert can be a great blessing for you and your family. So when we eat, you, you sit down and eat, and oh, did you have enough? Yeah, I'm satisfied. I'm good. I'm, sa- I'm satisfied. I've had, I've had enough. And what that's saying is, I could go for some more, but I know you don't have enough. I could go for more, but I just I don't want to impose or be impolite. Or you sit back and say, oh, don't even mention food. I'm not eating for two weeks. What we all do going out of the buffet. Be satisfied, or you can be filled. These people were filled. They didn't leave somewhat, oh, well, that's, that'll get me enough energy to get back home. No, they left filled. They had met the ultimate, ultimate su- supplier in the desert. They left filled. Not only were they filled, but there was baskets left of fragments. You know, if you look at us today, and you say, okay, five loaves, two fishes, and then somehow we ended up with 12 baskets left over, and say, well, they weren't very hungry. That's not the case at all. You know what God's telling us is that He's got enough for each and every one of His children. He doesn't have to take from me to bless you. He doesn't have to come out and say, now listen, you got too much blessing. I've got to share it with this person because they're doing right now. No, no, no. God says, you keep what you've got. Here's your little more. And then He comes by and says, now I'm going to bless you too. He doesn't have to take from one another. He's an ultimate supplier and He can meet our every need. How will your desert become? What is your desert? Is your desert your place to hide from God? Is your desert the place that you're not looking for God? You're not looking for Jesus? Or is your desert that place that you're experiencing the compassion of Christ when you're hurting like nobody else can understand? Is your desert that place that the company of God's people and God Himself is helping you get through life? Is your desert a place of comfort because you're with Jesus? Or the truth be known, it's a place of discomfort because you're on your own agenda. Will you gain that by looking at Jesus Christ? Listening to what He has for you. 
and leaning on Him and then just enjoying the blessings of a holy God.